Welcome to the Tesla Future Series, a three-part podcast to explore the future of energy, transportation, and society through the lens of one company, Tesla. In this episode, we think about Tesla today. So, how should we think about Tesla today? We should think about Tesla as a young company trying to do something audacious and seemingly impossible. And when you're trying to do something audacious and impossible, I think it goes hand in hand that the risk of failure is quite high. And in Elon Musk's own words, Tesla has come close to failure a number of times. And what we try to do in this episode is try to put aside the long-term grand visions that are really exciting about Tesla and just give some air to the next couple of years in Tesla's story and explore whether now is the time that they might be able to come not just a amazing company in the future, but can they become a profitable company today? And it's a really exciting time to be thinking about this because you've got the launch of the Model 3, you've got the opening of the China Gig Factory, and you've got the first production of the Model Y, which is the mainstream SUV Tesla are creating. And so what we'd like to do is walk through the factors that we think will affect whether they can achieve this quarter-on-quarter profit and become financially self-sustaining. This will be a huge milestone in Tesla's history and essentially mark the end of this early stage company idea and perhaps the end of the narrative that Tesla might fail. And this has been a significant narrative up until this point because broadly they've not been profitable. The alternative narrative is that EVs are almost structurally unprofitable, that what Tesla's trying to do is almost too hard. Too much capital is needed and they've done it too soon. And if they can't achieve this quarter-on-quarter profitable, that at some point, perhaps quite soon, they won't survive. That sounds a bit dramatic. Yeah, the language is slightly dramatic, but I think it's merely recognises the size of the challenge Tesla faces. Starting any company is hard and you know the chances of long-term success are pretty small, but starting a car company is even harder. Starting an electric vehicle company is super hard, especially during the period in which Tesla started around the 08-09 financial crisis. And I think it also reflects just how many unknowns there are in this transition. When Tesla began, No one really knew how to build batteries at scale. So they've had to learn this whole new industry. They've been right at the front of this this change and learning many difficult things. Tesla almost kind of learning on behalf of the entire industry to some extent. So all of those betting against Tesla, do you think they have a point? I think that question gets right to the heart of what this episode is about. They clearly do have a point. As we've said, what Tesla's trying to do is really hard. So there is a high risk of failure. But at this point in time, I guess it's a kind of interesting question to say, based on the Model 3 scaling, the China Gigafactory opening, the the Model Y, the SUV, could we see actually that Tesla could achieve some kind of sustainable profitability in the next couple of years and then almost take the wind out of this narrative completely that Tesla could fail? Okay, so where do we start from here? I think the best place to start is with production. We should start with talking about production because predominantly Tesla's revenues over the next couple of years are going to come from 
creating electric vehicles. And Big Auto produced a lot of cars per year. So BMW, 3 million cars per year, about. Ford, approximately 6 to 7. GM, approximately 8. Toyota, around 10. Tesla today, by comparison, produces only 300,000 cars per year. Yet Tesla's share price is in the same ballpark as some of these other companies, even though they're creating 10 times or 20 times the number of cars. In addition, even getting to 300,000 cars has been really difficult. They missed a number of deadlines in 2018-2019 as they tried to ramp up production. Where we've got to today, though, is that Tesla have reached a sustainable production out of their US facilities of about 7,000 cars per week. However, that's just the start. To scale up to 500,000 or a million, they need new production facilities. And that's the China Gigafactory. Ah, that's right. The China Gigafactory is under construction today, isn't it? Yes, the China Gigafactory is under construction and it's so important for Tesla for two big reasons. Firstly, as we said, they they need to scale beyond 500,000 cars. But the second reason is the location being in China. China, as we're going to come to in the second podcast, is going to be the biggest driver of the electric 20s, the decade where electric cars go mainstream. Currently, Tesla manufactures all of their cars for the Chinese market in the US, and they incur bigger logistics costs to send them over there. They are vulnerable to tariff changes, and they don't benefit from local incentives. So opening a Chinese factory for Model 3s and other cars, reduces the cost of transport, removes tariffs, and provides access to incentives. So they could either reduce the price to make their cars even more competitive or make greater margins. So in summary, in terms of the production story, the China Gigafactory is really the key component of the next 18 months. When can they get it open and when? how quickly can they ramp production? Now... Tesla has a history of setting ambitious targets. What kind of confidence do we have that they will get Gigafactory 3 up and running this year? Yeah, for anyone familiar with the Tesla story, you will have heard this phrase, Elon time. Elon Musk tends to set very ambitious deadlines. And a general summary of what tends to happen is he sets this really ambitious deadline Tesla's staff work furiously to try and meet it. They miss the deadline, but after a period of, again, very intensive work and some negative headlines after this, they eventually do meet the deadline. So if we think about the China Gigafactory in that context, they've set the expectation or deadline that it will open at some point in late 2019. Let's say that's slightly optimistic and it probably opens in early 2020 or mid 2020 latest. But the final point kind of against that is that this factory is in China. And there's this phrase called China fast, which I've come across recently, which describes the quite unbelievable speed at which construction seems to happen in China. And it's not only the Chinese construction firms that are able to do this, it's when the government is really supportive. So all of the permits necessary are done really, really fast. And the Chinese government seems to be 100% behind Tesla opening this factory as soon as possible. So you've got this situation where Tesla have set this ambitious 
deadline. They're building in a company in a country where they've got this now uh, ability to deliver really, really quickly. And you've got the Chinese government being 100% behind it. So, you know, maybe 2019 is possible for this deadline. And you might say that tw- that China is the only place you could build this factory so fast. So assume we're talking mostly about the production of the Model 3 so far. What about the production of products that have yet to hit the market? For example, Model Y, the pickup truck and the Tesla semi-truck. Tesla's roadmap, product roadmap, is really exciting, as Elon Musk likes to say. You've got the Roadster, which is an electric supercar that really outcompetes the traditional internal combustion supercar on most metrics, if not all metrics. You've got the semi-truck. So a electric semi-truck, which has great range, great longevity and great capacity. You've got the pickup truck, which is a huge market in the US especially, and has taken on this kind of mythical nature because Tesla has been quite secretive about it. But Elon really has been hyping this product quite a lot. And you've got then the Model Y, which is an affordable SUV. So product roadmap is great, but the problem so far has been production. So where are they going to produce all these products? slightly unknown and if we're being kind of maybe super honest i think you know production could still be a problem because they seem to be capacity constrained at the moment and probably with the china gigafactory we'll mostly focus initially on the model 3 and maybe the model y and is there a question around whether there is a market for these cars um i are you, what's the demand? Interestingly, once Tesla achieved a relatively stable production rate of about 7,000 cars per week, the narrative changed to one of, will anyone buy these cars? Now, it must be said that demand is relatively unknown. This is the first time we've seen the scaling of a car like the Model 3 globally. However, there are a few things we can think about. Firstly, How good is the product? How good are electric vehicles? And we now think that electric vehicles are a better product. They're more convenient. They have a lower cost of maintenance and they have this great performance that comes from the battery technology. And then with Tesla specifically, we think it's an even better product because you have the software element. Tesla is a great product, not just because it's an EV, but because it's developing great software. Now that software And Tesla's ability to manage that software means that they can actually solve problems or improve the functionality of the car after it's been bought. And you don't need to do anything. It's just a car sitting in your garage and the car might improve overnight. And then also with regards to software is this journey towards full autonomy. So Tesla's releasing some features now like Navigate on Autopilot, which allows you to maneuver quite well on highways. And you can see that growing over time. The barrier, though, to demand will continue to be price. We can see price coming down um, as we as we get some scale over the next couple of years. But it's as just comparing sticker prices, electric vehicles are probably still going to be more expensive for the next couple or few years. The final piece of the puzzle, though, is whether consumers are aware that EVs are great products, whether they're aware that the price is coming down. Tesla doesn't really advertise. Big Auto is only recently starting to advertise with any effort. So we think the growth of the Model 3 could be very important to this because 
people's perception and awareness of a product will change once they experience it. It's not just the advertising. So the Model 3 means that more and more people will be experiencing great electric vehicles. Overall, though, our view is that demand isn't going to be a problem. The market is still pretty small. And in a market of 80 million cars per year, we really don't think that there's going to be any problem for demand for Teslas at about 500,000 per year. Okay, so we've covered production and demand. What about the competition? Yeah, the competition is really interesting. Um, We think this area is where there's the biggest disjunct between reality and the media narrative. If you just listen to the media on a day-to-day basis, you would think that major automakers are already creating products at scale, that they are 100% behind a quick transition to EVs, that the EV market is kind of a set size and that there will only be a set number sold per year. And so if a whole load of new competitors come to the market, Tesla won't be able to sell their products. And we really just don't think this narrative is that accurate. It's not because we don't think Big Auto won't eventually create EVs at scale. We think they will and we hope they do. It's simply a question of timing. We think that the automakers have to make a more measured approach to the switch to electric vehicles. Right now, battery costs are high and it is impossible to make great margins on low-priced EVs. So we think that a better meta-narrative for Big Auto Their strategy in this space is for the transition to happen slowly. They want to wait until battery costs come down and they can make the same margins on a 20 to 30k electric vehicle as they do with an internal combustion engine. And right now, they just can't. So all of the noise and announcements is Big Auto preparing to scale, building capability, testing the technology, developing supply chains, all of the things you do before you scale. But in the next couple of years, We really don't see any massive scale that could impinge on Tesla's market. And finally, really important point. We don't think that all of these announcements of big auto entering the EV market is actually a threat to Tesla. We think it's a ringing endorsement of Tesla's approach in the future. We think the EV market is going to grow at the expense of the internal combustion engine. Every new EV is one less internal combustion engine. And all of these announcements that Big Auto make is helpful to stimulate the awareness of EVs and for Tesla. If you think about it, if you were a consumer that's always bought cars from one or two companies and then you hear that this company start to talk about an electric vehicle and you're curious through that buying process, even if you end up purchasing from the car company and brand that you've loved throughout your whole life, you're probably going to go and test drive a Tesla just to find out the difference. So we think all of that is very helpful to Tesla. And we should really discuss Elon himself, right? He generates a lot of headlines at the moment. Yeah, we spent quite a bit of time debating whether we should include Elon as one of the factors to Tesla's success in the next couple of years. There's obviously no question that he was instrumental to the founding of Tesla. I think there's very few people that would have invested that amount of money in electric vehicle startup at that time perhaps he was probably the only person that would do it but now there's 17 or 18,000 employees at Tesla who are all contributing to its success and if you look back at some of the tweets and announcements over the last couple of years you could build an argument 
to say Elon has been detrimental at points to the Tesla story. However, we have concluded the opposite. We believe Elon is really important to Tesla in the next couple of years. And the reason we think that shapes back to something Steve Jobs said about the nature of organisations. He said that organisations can get into trouble when the marketing people, not the engineers or product people, attain the levers of power. Because the shift goes away from this relentless focus on product improvement to just thinking about how do we sell more of what we've got. And in terms of creating great products, we love the idea, the reality that Elon is an engineer first and focuses relentlessly on improving the product. We also think Elon is important to attracting talent and that he is vital to shaping the strategy of the organisation, which is especially important when the industries of energy and transportation are undergoing such rapid change. Take the example of autonomous cars. When Tesla was founded in 05, the grand DARPA challenges, which were the birthplace of the autonomous movement, had really not taken place yet. Yet today, Tesla is arguably, and we'll come to this towards the end of this podcast series, taking a leading role in the development of autonomous solutions and is towards the forefront of the shift towards autonomy. And we think that kind of shift, that kind of focus has to come from the top. And the next area is my favourite. Can you talk through the Teslarati? Yes, the Teslarati is an affectionate term for the group of people who have become far more than customers of Tesla. They've become individual brand advocates, reaching out to their network, personal, professional and social to help explain and promote the product, how it makes them feel and how it aligns to their values. You see people taking photos of themselves by petrol stations, loving the fact that they never have to go into these things again. I think people really get gripped by the idea that it is possible to do things differently. And I've noticed this myself. While I don't drive that regularly, for some time I found myself really disliking going into petrol stations. But it was just something you had to do. An EV frees you from this conflict. It provides you with a convenient form of transportation, but without having to pollute the environment without doing something which you know is detrimental to humanity in the long term and that you wish you didn't have to do. And we think that kind of freedom is powerful. And combine that with the fact that Tesla is placing this transition at the heart of the purpose of the organisation, it's even more powerful. Yes, Tesla needs to make money, but it is really saying we are going to do this first. We are going to do this when it's hard and not wait for the regulator to tell us. We are going to do this because it can be done and it should be done for humanity. And that is such a powerful mission for an organisation. There are other examples of super fans of organisation. Apple springs to mind, especially the early adopters. And actually a more recent one is um, a Korean pop band called BTS. Now, Korea has a really active and successful K-pop industry, but BTS have done something unique. They have attracted this global fan base called the ARMY, and the ARMY have been central to the success of BTS, nurturing and growing their success with this passionate, passionate support. When you go to a BTS concert, you get the feeling that you're part of something more than a concert, you're part of a community. And we think there is something similar, especially with the Tesla early adopters, where you feel like you're buying into something that's bigger than just a product. 
It is more than just buying a new car. It is about your values. And I think this idea is massively undersold. And I struggle to see how major automakers, especially through the emission scandals, can catch up in terms of this aspect of the brand story. And I think us doing this podcast is an example of this story. It seems unlikely we would have done a podcast about one of the other automakers. I don't think we would have. Yeah, you're right. And then finally, it is time to return to that question that we had at the beginning of this podcast. Do those betting against Tesla have a point? Okay, so the straightforward answer to this is yes. And the reason for that is because Tesla is trying to do something audacious, it's trying to do something very difficult, it's trying to develop EVs in a world where they're broadly not very profitable. And until they achieve some kind of quarter-on-quarter profitability, then there is a viable argument to say Tesla might not survive. It needs to produce more cars globally, which is going to still be a big challenge. And ramping globally places pressures right across the company, pressure on the support desk, on retail outlets, on charging infrastructure, and Tesla even do their servicing in-house. This being said, though, we think that the narrative of Tesla not being a financially viable company in the near future is less and less credible. And as you look into the future, we become more and more confident about Tesla's future. And we think this for the following reasons. Firstly, the ramp of the Model 3 was a Herculean effort. Going for 10 to 20,000 cars per quarter to 80 to 90 was really a big test and a big challenge. And they've achieved that. They have a sustainable production rate of about 7,000 cars per week. Now, they need to do this again in China and then in Europe, potentially with another factory and scale the other products that are coming down the pipeline. But we think that having done this once, these journeys will be a little bit easier. And we think that costs will continue to come down through scaling, meaning greater profits. In terms of demand, we really don't think this is going to be a significant issue for the next 18 months because of the low numbers of cars produced. And interestingly, we have quite, we're quite convinced that we could see quite a rapid shift in consumer sentiment. People will see that... EV costs are beginning to come down. They'll experience an EV for the first time. And they may even delay the purchase of their next internal combustion engine to wait for the right EV for them. Competition, we think this is completely overdone in the next 18 months to two years and isn't really a factor. And then finally, Tesla is a brand. We think Tesla has a very unique story. It's a fantastic story, an inspirational story. And we think they'll continue to attract talented employees and the mission will resonate with consumers for a long time to come. Okay, so we should probably wrap this up for today. Thank you very much for joining us for our lovely podcast to explore Tesla's viability in the short term. We hope you will join us for the rest of the series. And as always, please reach out to us at hello at thefutureseries.co. Ooh.